When I walk through deep waters, I know that you will be with me. When I'm standing in the fire, I will not be overcome. Through the valley of the Praise the Lord, it's chat time again. This week we will continue our discussion of current events and scriptures. Praise the Lord. So I want to just talk about one current event and then we're going to get into our topic. Um, Once saved, always saved. So someone sent this to me and I didn't hear it. I I, I don't know that it was out until I saw this article that was sent to me. Google has gone to church with their commercial for the new Google Chromebook. The commercial uses a sample of the gospel classic, Jesus Can Work It Out. 
The song was recorded by several artists and choirs, but the most popular version was recorded by Dr. Charles G. Hayes and the Cosmopolitan Church of Prayer Choir. Their version was sampled by house music artist K-A-R-I-Z-M-A, Charisma, Charisma, I guess, (laughs) different spelling of Charisma, and that's the version that is heard in the new Google commercial. So, um, I don't know, I suppose you can Google. I mean, I've seen the commercial, but I don't get the connection between the song and the commercial. What's the connection? Uh, I, I don't know what the connection with the Chromebook or, you know, with the... With the what? song, it's kind of, I don't know. I just feel they just put that song with that commercial and just... But there's really, uh, yeah, the significance of it, I, 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 I mean, I, to see I it. I see that there are some people exercising, like working out. Oh, work it out. Work it out. You're right. Jesus can work it out. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. program, but I don't know what else they're doing. They're doing something else. Yeah, they're doing a, a wide variety of different things. But do you, but I didn't, you know, when you listen to it, the Chromebook didn't come to my mind. Right. So I don't know. That's what know I'm saying. I don't know how, what the connection is. But they do that a lot. That's not, that's not the only one that has taken, like, uh, gospel music or hymns and put them to commercials, you know, a, a lot of them have done that, you know, and 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 I, 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 and if you don't know some of the old hymns or the old gospels, you don't realize that's what they're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, just like uh, um, classical music on cartoons. Right, you never knew you were listening to classical music, Beethoven. Right, and William Tell and right overture. Right, you didn't know that you were listening to the classics. Right. But anyway, so I want to start this topic. Um, Once saved, always saved. And before we start the topic, I want to tell everybody that our email address is tbmjchurch at yahoo.com. That's tbmjchurch at yahoo.com. The telephone number, if you have a question, is 414 Seven eight eight nine five eight two. I'm giving this information because I think this is a hot topic, and people may have questions or comments, or maybe they might be irritated by what they hear. Not uh, not that we're intentionally going to irritate anybody, but we're going to just give the word and tell you what the word says. Now, if you want to write a letter to us instead. You can send it to True Bible Mission for Jesus Church. It's post office box 240-332, Brown Deer, Wisconsin, 53224. And I'll say it again. It's True Bible Mission for Jesus Church, post office box 240-332, Brown Deer, Dear Wisconsin, five three two two four. So, I was listening the other day to Charles Stanley, and he was talking about storms of life coming, you know, coming into your life and why they come, and and um, 
towards the end of the program, he was talking about being saved. And I guess the gist of the program was that, you know, sometimes storms come into our life because we're not doing what God tells us to do or wants us to do. We're not obedient. And so towards the end of the program, he's talking about being saved. And he said, once you receive Jesus as your Savior and you're saved, you're saved. So, yes, uh, he said, can you, does that mean that you can sin? Will you sin? He said, yes. But does that mean you're not saved? He said, no. <laughs> that contradicts and, the definition of salvation. And then, well, he said, once you're absolute, once you're saved, the Lord has taken you in. And and I have to go look it up on the internet to, to find that. Or scriptures. And, and he, he was saying um, that you repent and and quickly and but what if a person, uh, there's nothing that you can do that's going to separate you it, from, oh that's just the opposite the so i'm going to have to go back and try to find it on the internet it, it, charles stanley in touch ministries right because i mean his his premise is wrong for one thing and if it's if it weren't possible he never the lord never would have said uh, that the, the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after that one lost. And lost means exactly that. It's lost. Yeah, lost right. right. So he never would have said in Revelation, uh, you know, repent. Because uh, quickly before he removes the candlestick, he, he never would have said the sower sowed the seed and some fell on uh, shallow ground, didn't have root within itself to withstand some fell on uh, among the rocks and the thorns and it brought forth some fruit but then it became unfruitful he never would say repent quickly he never would say there's a great falling away he never would have said it's impossible to renew so once saved always saved is only true if you hold on to the Lord it's not like you lose salvation it's not like the Lord would deliberately sever his, his ties but you can actually reject you're the seed. So the Bible says the seed remains in a the person, they won't sin. And that, is that, and that is so true. That's exactly what the Lord is saying. As long as you hold fast to your faith and abide in the Word, and the Word abides in you, you won't sin. But if you stray, the Lord said it's going to be falling away. If you decide to reject the Lord, then the Lord will reject you in return. Only In turn, only because if you won't receive the truth, you're going to embrace a lie. And they are mutually exclusive. So when people preach once saved, always saved, in the sense that you can sin and you are yet saved, that, I wonder what Bible are they reading? I don't know. But here are some, um, here are some uh, you know, quotes from preachers, you know, ministers who actually believe in once saved, always saved. So what we're going to determine here is... Once saved, always saved. Is it fact or is it fiction? You know, it's people definitely getting the wrong information from their pastors or ministers. They're getting the wrong information. <laughs> All right. So one minister says, "Can you unfry an egg?" Then, after being saved, you cannot undo it. Yes, you can. <laughs> another <laughs> salvation. Another, salvation is not an egg. <laughs> another minister says, "Once a person is saved, are they always saved?" Yes. 
When people come to know Christ as their Savior, they are brought into a relationship with God that guarantees their salvation as eternally secure. And I think that's similar to what I was hearing Charles Stanley say, that eternally you're secure. But I don't... Only if you receive the gift that God has given you. And those come with the conditions that the Lord has established. First of all, you must believe that God is. Mm -hmm. And then you must believe that he's rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you reach the point where, say, you no longer believe in God, you no longer believe there is a God, and you no longer seek him, you have severed your relationship with the Lord. You're no longer saved. I I think there are people that, you know, they still read the word, I think. But then what they're saying, yeah, the examples are given are not scripture. Well, here's another one. The moment a person accepts Jesus, his salvation is secured and he faces no risk of ever losing it no matter what he does. <laughs> That's not Bible. That's <laughs> Another minister said, once a person has been converted, all the sins he may commit from idolatry to murder will not make his soul in any more danger, even if he never repents of those sins. <laughs> so this person has written his own Bible. Anyway, well, they're different people that said this. Uh, that particular, ministers. yeah, but that particular person has written their their, their own Bible. That's not you're doing an injustice because that's not scripture. That's 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 false doctrine, and and you're telling somebody that the Lord said He hates a liar. So you're telling somebody who has resorted to becoming a pathological liar, and the Lord says no liar. You know, she'll enter in, and you're telling the person, "Well, you were once saved, but now you're just a habitual pathological liar." And yet, you are saved. The Lord said, "You can't even tarry in His sight. No murderer can tarry in His sight." So, how is it that the Lord says these things, and people come up with something entirely different? Well, a lot of people who believe this once this teaching about once saved, always saved, will quote the following Bible verse. In Romans 8, chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Uh And it says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our exactly. Lord. They cannot. See, the Lord has fixed it that nothing, nothing can come and snatch away or steal away your salvation if you lend your heart towards the Lord. If you circumcise the foreskin of your heart and you yield yourself unto the Lord, nothing can, can break that connection. Only the person who has the connection can sever that tie. Once you submit yourself unto the Lord, there is no way that something can come in and just snatch it. But like when he gave the example of the sower of the seed and the ground on which it fell on, when he said before it could even take root, you know, the enemy came and snatched the word away, and some that had taken root, only you can decide within your heart. Your heart has to be given. Only you can decide to give your heart to the Lord, to yield yourself to the Lord, to circumcise the foreskin of your heart. So um, when you read that verse, or those two verses, um, it's, a, it's a wonderful promise of God, you know, but it doesn't say 
anything about eternal life in there. Yeah, but you know that really. You, but you'll know that you will have eternal life as long as you are not separated. Is it talking about salvation? Yes. Or is it but, talking about eternal life? Well, that's, that really? is that is salvation. It's, our, our hope, our end hope for salvation is eternal life. But we. We're, you have to be persuaded within your heart that you're not going to let anything separate you. Nothing can separate a person once they have made it up in their mind to hold on to the Lord. The only thing that can separate you from the Lord is if you decide that you're going to let go. But it doesn't say anything in there about sin. It doesn't say, it, it, you know, it doesn't say that sin uh, will separate you. But sin will. This I know, but it doesn't but, say but, that. Well, he's saying, but these are the results of sin. And, they, and these are the results of the cares of this world. Death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth. This encompasses sin or anything else that would try to step in and prevent you from serving the Lord. There is nothing that's out there that can separate a person from the Lord once they yield themselves to the Lord, there's nothing that is powerful enough to rip you out of the uh, hands of the Lord. Nothing. Only you can walk away. The enemy cannot, once you have accepted the Lord. Now, now if, you're at the, uh, if you're at the door, if you're at the valley of decision, and you're trying to decide whether or not you want to be saved, the enemy can come and snatch the word. Snatch what little hope you have because you haven't accepted the Lord. But once you have actually accepted the Lord and you have been converted and you have been renewed and reborn, there is nothing that can come between you and God unless you yourself yield yourself to the instruments of this world. And, and, and that's what the Lord is saying. He's not saying that if you sin, once, you, once you're saved, you can sin. Paul said... God forbid. They were telling that they were giving that type of message when Paul was there that they were going to sin so that grace can abound. And Paul said, God forbid. He was thinking, what kind of nonsense is this? You don't sin so grace can abound. That's an oxymoron. That's the contradiction. That that within itself does not is they're mutually exclusive. The Lord cannot abide with sin. You can't be saved and unsaved at the same time. You can't serve God and mammon. So if you continue to sin after you've after you've been saved, um People wonder, are you, uh, if you continue to sin after you're saved, are you really in a re saved relationship? Are you really converted? And then I want to read um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. If you continue to sin after you're saved, you're not saved. You've backslidden somewhere along the way this, because this there's verse, no way. This verse really hits home. I mean, if, you, if you've got any question about once saved, always saved, and sinning after you've, you're saved. Hebrews 10 and 26 read, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Because God counts you as an enemy. So, so the thing is, so if you continue to sin, this says that the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross 
is null and void. Right, because... There you, is no sacrifice for you. Right. There is no way for you to go to heaven. Right. There is no way for you to have eternal because life. You, because you rejected it. You sin willfully. You right. rejected it. That's the only way. So, uh, you know, so I get confused when people say that they're once saved, always saved. And... You know, when you read in Jeremiah, it's, a, it's in Jeremiah a lot. It talks about backsliding. Right. So backsliding means that you're turning your back. You're sliding backwards. You're gradually turning from your faith. You're falling away from your faith. You're falling away from your practice uh, I don't know, some dictionaries say a practice of religion. Um, you're neglecting your vows of obedience to the Lord because that's what it is. You vow to be obedient right. to God when you become saved. Right, and, and only you can break that covenant because the Lord is not going to break his promise. The Lord isn't going to, uh, he's not going to violate the covenant in order for that bond to be broken, you have to break it. So what I don't understand is, if you're once saved, always saved, why does the Lord talk about backsliding? How can people say they're saved? What are they and commit, thinking? And, and commit what adultery. What are they thinking? <laughs> right. Uh, I, I don't get what they're thinking. Do they not know what backsliding means? Do they not understand? That you cannot... That you cannot serve two masters, that is, it's, it's impossible. So I think it's people who are trying to make excuses for sinning. And here's where I think it arises from. People trying to live the Ten Commandments without the benefit of the Holy Spirit. And, and if you do that, you have good intentions, you mean well, and you're trying to live a good life. You're trying to be a good person, but you cannot live the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. And therefore, it is necessary for a person to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that they can live by grace because you in and of yourself do not have the ability to live the law. So when these people try to live within their, themselves the Ten Commandments, they can't help but sin. So they grow up thinking that everybody has to sin, just like this Stanley person that you mentioned. So he's thinking everybody's going to sin because... It's inevitable, and it is if you aren't under the anointing, if you're not covered by the blood. So if you're, all you're doing is trying to live the Ten Commandments and under your own strength, you can't help but sin. So they're in a constant state of having to sin and, and thinking that they have to repent, having to sin, having to repent. And the type of repentance I'm talking about is laying again the foundation. And and Paul said you shouldn't have to do that. See, they're, they're constantly Laying the foundation because they're trying to live something that's beyond their means. But all they have to do is receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what I'm thinking is that people are believing a lie. Satan roams to and fro to see who, whom he can devour. Mm -hmm. And he drops thoughts in people's minds. So if we look back in Genesis chapter 3, we find the first lie that was recorded in the Bible and it was a lie by the devil. So it's in Genesis 3 verse 4. 
In Genesis 3, verse 4, it reads, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. So he's trying to trick her and coax her into eating from the forbidden fruit. And he's telling her, that you won't die. You're not going to die. You're going to live forever. You're going to be just as smart as as the Lord. Right. You know, don't worry about it. Right. Well, and, and so and she's thinking and she's thinking and she, and she's deceived. And so, and she says, "Oh, it sounds good." You know, and he's validating you know, you're not going to die. Don't worry about it. You're not going to die. But and, there was a first line. And that's what they're telling people now. You received the Holy Ghost, but now you sin. Don't worry about it. You're still saved. You're yet saved. And that's nowhere in the scripture. I don't see how a person who's reading the word of God can even come to that conclusion. I don't even see how they can read God's word and even think that. I, and these are people who are, whose souls they're responsible for. So you, if you're saying this pastor is telling people this and they're responsible for the souls of these people, they won't be held guiltless. When, so, so Satan is the only one who promised Adam and Eve life in disobedience. To the Lord. Was... Giving you eternal life. Right. That, that by doing the opposite of what God said you need to do in order to receive salvation. And so the Lord is saying that you can be holy because I am holy. Now, how can you tell a person you've received the Holy Ghost and somewhere along the line you've fallen off and you've gone off the path. And now say, for instance, now you, you're steeped in sin. You can't be holy. And the Lord said, be holy as I am holy. So now you're no longer holy. How are you saved? Well, we're going to have to cut this off. Unfortunately, this is going to take a few tapes. And please write to us or contact us if you have any questions or comments. And uh, we'll get back to you. Yes. Praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. This week's verse of the day comes from Luke 9 and 62. But Jesus said unto him, No one... After putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord and let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, where is a wise man's heart and where is a fool's heart? The answer is right hand and left and the answer can be found in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 2. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. This week's food for thought is, what are man's days like? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought. <laughs>